It might not be obvious at first glance, but today's subject is one of the dozen-ish elements that take their names from cities around the world. But you won't find Lutetia on any maps. At least, not any modern ones. The Romans founded that city over 2,000 years ago among the fertile floodplains of Gallia Celtica. The name they gave it, Lutetia, meant Midwater Dwelling, or, somewhat less charitably, Swamp City. With a name like that, it's not so shocking that the residents might want to call the place something else. They were a people called the Parisii, and so, over time, their city became popularly known as Paris. Georges Urban discovered Lutetium at the same time as Eterbium, right around the same time that George Auer von Welsbach also independently discovered those elements. Von Welsbach wanted to name element 71 Cassiopium, after the constellation Cassiopeia, and in turn, the mythological queen of Ethiopia. But once again, Urban won the naming rights. It's a little unfortunate. Cassiopium would have been a beautiful name. But it's not a total loss for the chemists of the world. We'll always have Paris. You're listening to the Episodic Table of Elements, and I'm T.R. Appleton. Each episode, we take a look at the fascinating true stories behind one element on the periodic table. Today, we'll finish off the Lanthanide series with Lutetium. Languid centaurs praise Ned's promise of small European garden tubs. Dinosaurs hobble erratically, thrumming yellow lutes. I'm sure you already figured out what's going on there, but I'll explain nonetheless. That is a mnemonic to help memorize all 15 elements in this series. Lanthanum, cerium, Preciodymium, Neodymium, Promethium, Samarium, Europium, Gadolinium, Terbium, Dysprosium, Holmium, Erbium, Thulium, Iterbium, Lutetium. Each word in that sentence sounds kind of like the corresponding element in the row. There are several such mnemonic phrases for various segments of the periodic table. For instance, to memorize the first nine elements in sequence. Happy Henry liked beer, but could not obtain food. That's hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine. Or if you'd like to remember the group of alkali metals top to bottom. Little nasty kids rub cat's fur. Lithium, sodium, potassium, rubidium, cesium, francium. It's worth noting that this mnemonic, particularly the nasty kids, corresponds more to the elements' chemical symbols than their names. 
those are among the easier ones to remember. If the whole bit about languid centaurs and dinosaurs hobbling sounds a bit more forced, well, you have my sympathies, but there are far less helpful phrases that people have cooked up. To wit, yes sir, Niobe, most technicians, Ruth and Rhonda paddle silver Cadillacs. That's supposed to help one remember the 5th period transition metals. Yttrium, Zirconium, Niobium, Molybdenum, Technetium, Ruthenium, Rhodium, Palladium, Silver, Cadmium. But it's not even a coherent sentence. At that point, you'd need a mnemonic to remember your mnemonic. At least, languid centaurs praising Ned's promise of small European garden tubs while dinosaurs hobble erratically thrumming yellow lutes conjures a vivid and memorable mental image, even if it is a nonsensical one. Surely it couldn't be too difficult to devise some more helpful and meaningful phrases as mnemonics, but this is left as an exercise for the listener. At any rate, Lutetium is the last of the Lanthanides, a position that's quite fitting. Of the 14 natural Lanthanides, this was the last one to be discovered. The final, tiniest Matryoshka doll, nesting inside a sample of Eterbium, which was found inside Erbium, which in turn had been found inside Yttrium. Coincidentally, an atom of Lutetium really is smaller than any of its fellow rare earth elements. Remember, the Lanthanides tuck their electrons away in a peculiar manner. So each one, with one more positive proton in its nucleus and one more negative electron orbiting it, holds it all together a little more tightly than the last. It's a phenomenon called Lanthanide contraction. Since each one is packing a little more matter into a slightly smaller space, it's no surprise that Lutetium is the densest of the rare earths. For similar reasons, it's also the hardest one, and the one with the highest melting point. Among those superlatives, Lutetium also used to be the most expensive of all the lanthanides, but alas, no longer. Modern manufacturing processes have brought its price down in recent years. Thulium, terbium, and promethium all fetch prices far higher than lutetium does today. Some people don't even consider lutetium to count as an actual lanthanide. All the elements from lanthanum through thulium put their valence electron in the same place, an orbital referred to as the 4f shell. But after thulium, there's no more room for additional electrons in the 4f shell, so lutetium places its additional electron in the next shell up. For that reason, some scientists argue that lutetium should be considered a transition metal, among the likes of hafnium, palladium, vanadium, and more. But the periodic table is not exclusively a catalog of electron configurations. If it were, then helium's proper place would be at the top of group 2, above beryllium and the other elements with two electrons in their S-shells. 
Indeed, periodic tables that emphasize electron configurations do place helium in that spot, for precisely that reason. But the standard, run-of-the-mill periodic table is more concerned with grouping elements by their behavior. Since helium rarely reacts with other chemicals, it's right at home, sitting atop the column of noble gases. And since lutetium's chemical behavior is more similar to the lanthanides than the other transition metals, its place as last among lanthanides is generally not terribly controversial. It would certainly function anywhere a chemical formula might contain the symbol LN. LN sounds like it could be the symbol for lanthanum, but you probably remember that LA is the correct symbol for that element. Actually, no chemical element has the symbol LN. But nonetheless, LN is occasionally found among various chemical formulae and diagrams. That's because LN is a pseudo-element symbol. Because the lanthanides are so similar to each other, there are plenty of compounds that are functionally identical, no matter which lanthanide is participating. For instance, samarium boride, gadolinium boride, terbium boride, dysprosium boride, holmium boride, erbium boride, thulium boride, ytterbium boride, and lutetium boride all exhibit the same structure. Rather than write all of that out every time, chemists will sometimes write LNB2 as shorthand. There are scores of these pseudo-element symbols, although a chemist could go their entire career without encountering most of them. For example, an inorganic chemist will probably never scribble down ME or ET to represent methyl and ethyl groups, respectively, because methyl and ethyl groups are the domain of organic chemistry. Inorganic chemists are more likely to work with metals. Sometimes, it doesn't matter which metal is part of a compound, only that there is some metal included. In which case, the inorganic chemist might write M for short. It's important that these symbols don't clash with existing symbols of actual elements. BE is already the symbol for beryllium, so it would be inappropriate to use as the symbol for the one benzotriazolyl group. BN would work, except that BN is already used as a placeholder for the benzyl group. Similarly, BZ symbolizes the benzoyl group. BT was free, though, so that became the symbol used to indicate the one benzotriazolyl group's presence in a chemical compound. It works in the reverse direction, too. No chemical element has the symbol D, and it's a virtual certainty that no chemical element ever will. D has fallen into common usage to indicate the presence of deuterium, which is a hydrogen atom containing a neutron, in addition to its one proton. Giving some new, obscure element the symbol D would require literally rewriting all the books to change deuterium's symbol to something else, and that's probably not worth it. 
Unlike a couple of boron atoms, you're not searching for any old lanthanide. You're in search of lutetium, preferably as pure a sample as possible to add to your element collection. We've had to hunt down some rare samples before, but unfortunately, lutetium might be the rarest. Since it is so uncommon and so hard to get, it has scarcely any uses at all. It's used in petroleum cracking, and radioactive lutetium can be used to determine the age of meteorites that have fallen to Earth. Lutetium texafirin is a medicine used in photodynamic therapy, that is the use of highly targeted beams of light to kill cells in very specific areas. The lutetium-based medicine in particular is sometimes used as a cancer treatment. So even though lutetium might not have many applications, those that it does have are fairly impressive. As a member of the general public, though, your best bet is to ask a Rare Earths processing plant if they might let you sift through their cast-offs. That's about it for the Lanthanide series. At first blush, this group of 15 elements looks like the periodic tables fly over territory. Just a bunch of dull metals, more similar to each other than different, with little practical value. In fact, a seminal textbook published in 1971 said, quote, Lanthanum has only one important oxidation state in aqueous solution, the plus three state. With few exceptions, this tells the whole boring story about the other 14 elements. I hope, after this eight-month-long tour through the series, that you might disagree. Thanks for listening to the Episodic Table of Elements. Music is by Kai Engel. To learn more about electron shells and what they have to do with Epicurean giraffes, visit episodictable.com L-U. Next time, we'll get the whole story behind Hafnium. Until then, this is T.R. Appleton reminding you, Caesar procrastinated at the Nile permitting so many Europeans who were getting turbid and dying of home urges to yell, LUTETIUM! <laughs>